hang on a minute. So you're the real lesbian and I'm the fake lesbian. This is out of order. Nobody, no, no, Julie, nobody thinks I'm a real lesbian. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Don't worry about that. My name is Kathleen Stock. And my name is Julie Bindle. And this is the Lesbian Project podcast, all the sapphic traffic for everyone who wants more lesbian in their life. Okay. I actually said lesbian in their life rather than lesbian. That's fine. Lesbian's That's even fine. better. So do you think it's a good thing to have uh, lesbians in dramas represented as lesbians? The problem that I have with some of the representation is the way that we are either seen as tragic and of course that happens all the time with what was the film desert of the hearts i think it was called or was that the book desert hearts and the film was desert hearts and of course women have their hearts broken and what happened to desert hearts did somebody die i think somebody always dies in lesbian right film but things changed i think with the film was it the kids are all right where I have uh, no idea I I think I think it was the first film I remember seeing where being a lesbian wasn't driving the plot they just happened to be a lesbian family and it was quite refreshing there were lots of things to dislike about that film but it was really refreshing because lesbians previous to that were just wheeled out to be lesbians to be mm-hmm. a problem, to be broken-hearted or dead at the end, and or to be or to be um, represented positively, which is just as bad, to be honest. I mean, I think we sort of brought this on ourselves by um, thinking that the antidote to lots of negative representation, where we were represented as deviant, um, sinister, uh, or just kind of a bit mad. Um, was lots of positive representation where we were represent we like so the characters weren't really interesting dramatic characters they were just kind of stereotypes positive stereotypes and Hollywood does that a lot um you know in a sort of nauseating manner but that's come back to haunt us too I mean what really what we want is just the full um range of possible characters and interesting ones as well. Like you, nobody wants to watch a boring character. You want to watch interesting characters, and quite often they are a bit sinister or have a bit twisted or have some kind of, um, you know, dark background. And I'm all for it. <laughs> I'm all I'm all for it too. I remember when Notes on a Scandal came out, mm-hmm. which was a film about an older school teacher oh, who yeah. fell in love with a young new teacher at the school. She became obsessed with her. She became her stalker. There were all Mm -hmm. kinds of unsavory things happening within that film. Yeah. In fact, the the heterosexual younger teacher who the older predatory lesbian fell in love with was having sex with a schoolboy. I mean, it was an all-round pretty grotesque film, but highly entertaining. Yeah, I mean, grotesque in the sense that the the content it depicted grotesque characters but we seem to have lost the capacity to distinguish between a film that has grotesque characters and a grotesque a morally grotesque film I mean I don't even care I don't want my films to be moral or teach me any kind of lessons myself I completely Um, agree I completely agree entertaining or thought-provoking or um or even horrifying sometimes that's obviously we love to go to see horrifying things 
So well, there was yeah, a, but we the, started. Oh, go on, sorry. No, so there was a huge outcry from some lesbians that the character, the the you know lesbian predatory character, saying that this was a stereotype and that this should never have been mm. screened and it would be harmful to lesbians. And I completely disagreed. Mm-hmm. I agreed with the representation of this character. Mm. But I, in fact, I wrote about it in The Guardian at the time saying, this is exactly what we need. If I'm not sick of seeing these tragic heroes or these women who are just so good and so saintly that somehow they represent all of us. No, they don't. I mean, Mm. if we're going to talk about representation, then we must have the full broad range of characterizations as you would have in films where you occasionally have a character who is morally reprehensible and sometimes you have one who's saintly and every single thing in between, or we Mm. won't see ourselves reflected back. Yeah. But I mean, again, I don't really care about seeing myself reflected back because I'm really boring, you know, and I don't want to go to cinema to see myself. I mean, I I had a similar thing. I wrote about Tar. um, And I when I was discussing Tar with some of my friends, they were they really hated it because they thought it put lesbians in a bad light. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Tar's about a very predatory um, egotistical, narcissistic female conductor. I mean, I also read some people who thought that it put female conductors in a bad light. <laughs> oh, please. But I mean, why should, why should she, Tara, I saw that film and I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's why on earth should, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with her. I just want well, to. I don't know. <laughs> well, you do, I don't. This is what makes us very uh, different from each other, let's say. But I, what do they mean? Is there only one lesbian in the world? Is she a saintly creature? But is she supposed also, to yes, there, be there course. shining a light on all of us? I mean, why on earth would we Well, want... there isn't, but also, like, why... Nobody thought that, like, Hamlet, you know, gave a bad rep to Danish kings, you know? I mean, it's ridiculous. Danish <laughs> like, kings dra- need... Drama isn't there to just reflect back the world. Drama is there to, like, transmit, transform our understanding and our experience and give us out-of-this-world experiences sometimes. And, you know, in reality... I mean, maybe there could be someone like Tar. There probably is somewhere. Oh, there is. But, there um, is. There is. I've met her. Yeah, There's but even if like there hadn't her. been, I don't care. You know, I mean, I'm not like, it's not supposed to be very, very similitude. But I was thinking that the other day when I was watching um, Friends with my kids. After Matthew Perry died, we started watching Friends again. And they've got these two lesbian characters who are just, I mean, they really are there just to be lesbians. All the jokes are about them being lesbians they have no independent life of their own but they're also not very convincing lesbians to me so I hope I don't find out now that they are actually lesbians but they don't they can't act well either they can't act or they're not very convincing lesbians well you got me into friends I'd never seen an episode of friends ever in my entire life it just isn't my thing I have this kind of thing in my head against studio audiences and mm. studio laughter. Well, yeah, and it is annoying. It is annoying. It's really annoying. And then you mentioned something about Ross's ex-wife, who's a lesbian. Mm. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a look at that. And then I watched several episodes. I quite like it now. But it was <laughs> really funny because it was from... You're never going to guess what happens with Ross and Rachel. <laughs> well, I agree with you about how they're not very convincing. I agree with you about how they're just there to be lesbians. But there was some mm. quite interesting stuff that was said because I watched the episode where they're getting married, where the two mm. women 
announced mm. to Ross, who's clearly quite heartbroken, bless his heart, um, they're going to get married and he starts joking. The kind of jokes that we'd forgotten used to be made in the 90s and before, obviously, like, oh, what are you going to be, wife and wife? And cue the studio audience, what a hoot. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, I mean, I I think marriage and weddings are ridiculous, but not for that reason. And <laughs> And then he was talking about, I mean, he was with Joey I think at the wedding and they were both chatting away about how I mean Joey said oh I feel so futile all these women and nothing Mm. huge studio studio laughter and he says I feel like Superman without my powers so again all in relation to men basically there's these attractive women who men want to fuck and they can't because they're lesbians so all in relation to men and mm-hmm. and then actually Chandler came back with something quite funny. He just said, well, in that case, you know how I feel now every single day. The whole <laughs> world is my lesbian wedding. And I thought that was, <laughs> but it, it was it's ridiculous because Ro- Ross in the end gave her away because her parents. Yeah, they, they, they sort of did that thing of veering between <laughs> um, jokes that are sort of slightly verging on uh, laughing at lesbians for being lesbians. Yeah. Um, and sort of terrible sentimentality where oh. um the, the the sort of progressive view is embodied in the way that Ross and Monica um talk about them as you know just two people that want to love each other and so on so there's a kind yeah. of like preachy element latent in it undercut by all this stuff about I mean Monica as I recall um she's catering for the wedding and she says chicken breasts too cute like she just she suggests that if they have chicken breasts for the wedding that will be somehow relevant to the theme <laughs> because because heterose- heterosexual women heterosexual, yeah exactly men aren't interested in heterosexual breasts uh, uh, it, it, yeah, that, that was ridiculous although i did really laugh we're still at the wedding chandler is trying to hit on women work out if they're lesbians or not they pretty much all are everyone he likes she's a lesbian and then he goes back to a woman he'd hit on before. And he said, and this will really resonate with a lot of our listeners. He said, listen, penis schmenis, we're all just people. <laughs> <laughs> and look where that got us. <laughs> <laughs> and this was in 1996 or whatever. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, if I was going to write a cultural studies PhD, I would go back and look at the way that jokes and popular culture have shaped the hell site that we have got today where we're all just people and genitalia are just sort of contingent irrelevancies um anyway which was was interestingly (laughs) though but but, but it was interesting to see that in the 90s because i think the 90s lesbians in my view have never had our moment we've Mm. we've certainly had our moment as a porn genre which continues yeah indeed and we've certainly had had our moment well yeah and then, of course, there was the uh, the cover of Vanity Fair with KD Lang and Cindy Crawford, surely. Yes, that's right. And you're about to say someone was, else completely. You know, I was going to get that Cindy name really wrong there. It would have been so embarrassing. Oh, yeah. But um, that was a kind of slightly pornified hype on Butch and Femme. Or, you know, but it's all right. No, I mean, I think we should be allowed to have eroticism. Yeah, great. Um, I don't want to get too. Uh, prescriptive about it I mean I thought that was a very sexy cover I mean everybody did it was brilliant well I didn't because I was too mealy mouthed but um, (laughs) did you write in the Guardian about it at the time I 
didn't. It was before, just before my Guardian writing time, which is just as well, because there are some articles you never, ever want to see repeated <laughs> back at you. We can get onto that another week. Yeah, I'm going to go. Look. But, yeah. but, you know, the thing that hit me when I was watching that wedding episode mm. on Friends was the way that they're doing the penis meanness, you know, we're all people and the sentimentality about we're all just human beings who want to love each other. Mm. That was kind of what separated lesbians and gay men in the 80s around the time of section 28 when we were campaigning to repeal section 28 which obviously was a insidious piece of legislation about not representing um, same-sex relationships in any positive way in schools etc anyway Mm. um gay men did this thing of we just want to be accepted we want to be tolerated Lesbians were saying, no, 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 we love being lesbians. Lesbian liberation is where it's at. And we wanted people to kind of recognise how proud we were to be lesbians, how every day we wake up and say, I'm so glad I'm a lesbian. And there was that huge gulf between the way that gay men and lesbians campaigned. They wanted tolerance, we wanted liberation. And I think that that really does play itself out in, well, in episodes like Friends and in other kind of TV and film depictions And I'd love at some stage to see a proper depiction of the kind of spikiness that lesbians have, not all, some, which actually came through a little bit in the film Pride. Did you see that? About the mining, the miner strike? Because it sounded to me like the sort of thing I would absolutely hate. Yeah. So I didn't watch it. There's a lot to hate. And there's also a lot in that way that you hate yourself afterwards to love. (laughs) Um, And Did you cry? No, but I did laugh at, you know, the lesbians just had a little bit of a shoe in. There was one or two lesbians and the rest were gay men. Right. And and the lesbians were actually, they almost, almost got it. You know, the lesbians were being irreverential. They were being quite kind of cheeky about it all. And the gay men were all just kind of very righteous. So, so I, what I did, you're saying is that we're the true rebels, we are the rebels and gay men, <laughs> gay men are the conformists. And this is a generalization, but how else are we going to have this conversation? Well, we could try, we could try not to generalize that much, but you know. Well, in, in a sense, you know, I think the way that gay, lesbian and gay politics played out, and I do think this is part of how we got to where we are today, hmm. was that conformity, was the desperation uh, that some gay men seem to have to just be seen as the same as everyone else, but with a little bit of a kink in their genes. Um, and I mm. do think that what what you ask for is what you end up getting, which is mm. that kind of very, you know, fr- from the, um, you know, from the, I don't know, the re- the rebellion that the les the, that the um, gay liberation front began with was fueled mm. by was replaced by something that was about just please put up with us I promise we won't do anything to offend you I I mean I think I disagree with you on quite a lot of this I'm afraid not not your version of history I'm sure that's right but um but I think there's nothing wrong I mean with the we're just a bit like every well we are like everyone else with a few variations certainly I prefer that to what we see now coming out of um mainstream lgbt organizations which is like we want to redraw the map for everybody we want to um explode all your institutions your cultural norms your traditions uh, the hetero heterosexual family is is pernicious we you know the nuclear family needs to be 
dismantled. Um, just as a matter of strategy, that's an absolutely terrible strategy. Now, I know that that's not the, the utopia that um, uh, revolutionary feminists and, and, and lesbian feminists wanted in the 70s and 80s. I know you wanted something a bit different, but still that sort of ambition to kind of, ex to, to really like liberate women generally from all these restrictions had would have such massive effects that, that it, it causes all these ripple effects that we couldn't have predicted at the time. And I think we can see now the effects of a, t of a small group trying to redraw the map for everyone else. So I'm more of a, I'm afraid, as you know, anyway, more of a like, um, can't we just be like married, but with two women? <laughs> Although I am not actually married, but. Hmm. I mean, I understand, you know, we went from the kind of the picket line to the picket fence. And in a way, you know, what was the picket line for if it wasn't to get to... Rid of the picket fence. <laughs> to, to the possibility of being able to kind of have um, the legal protection and acceptance and advantages that heterosexual couples have. If mm. we're in a couple, if that's what floats our boat. I think that where we've taken our eye off the ball is that there, there are lots of single by choice and also not by choice lesbians who are who are also homeless um who don't have do you mean um, politically homeless or no homeless? no I, I mean i mean actually you know without okay. a kind of secure home okay. where you know they're really struggling with loneliness and with a lack of connection and what we're doing i think and by we it's a very kind of broad we but i mean any of us including the lesbian project which should be you know one of our priorities will be won't it looking at homeless young lesbians um, you know there are issues that I think we have ignored whilst we're fighting to be able to eat coronation chicken at a lesbian wedding and <laughs> you know, that, that it doesn't have to be either or well but... that's true I agree with you about about the the skewing to the middle class of most LGBT campaigning absolutely so yeah we are going to address that we will. And, you know, we, we also are going to be looking at, at class prejudice, at, you know, broken families and all those issues that actually affect moneyed middle class people less. And I'm not saying that there aren't problems for lesbians across the board, because there are, because we've all got, you know, we're, we're, we're all vulnerable to all kinds of prejudice. And that brings about, you know, mental health issues or it can bring about employment problems and everything but but I do I do think that what happened with the kind of bourgeois type of gay male campaigning under Stonewall before Stonewall became as problematic as it became before Stonewall became the monster that it is in my view mm -hmm. it was already very very skewed towards moneyed gay men lesbians barely got a look in the priority mm -hmm. was about marriage and conformity and yes of course there's nothing wrong with that and I've never argued that we should dismantle the nuclear family but I have argued that we should scrutinize the nuclear family as a place where the heterosexual nuclear family in particular as a space where women can become trapped in the private sphere and where terrible mm -hmm. things happen to women and their children but I mean mm -hmm. that's that's a, that's a broad feminist project anyway that many of us share so yeah. I don't know I just don't want to see every time that lesbians are on my TV, I don't want it to be in a couple 
in a home with a mortgage and no. children. I just don't. Well, no, but that that goes back to we don't. There's not just one kind of experience we want to see represented. But there's nothing also wrong with seeing that. You know, it's not like that would be some kind of capitulation to the status quo because that again is to just use dramatic characters as a means to some kind of heavy-handed political end. So anyway, I think we, as usual, probably agree more than we disagree on this. So Possibly, but I don't know if we're going to agree on the next thing we'll be talking about. Okay. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have a huge screaming row about whether asexuality should be recognised as a sexual <laughs> orientation. <laughs> well, so the background to this is that Stonewall, the um, illustrious organisation that Judy has just been praising to the hilt, um, <laughs> for which we are all grateful uh, for everything they do these days, um, they have decided that their next big campaign, um, I think they've gradually over time started to, to, to detect that, you know, telling um, the world that biological sex doesn't exist anymore and that you can become a woman a male can become a woman just by uh, saying is that's not going down that well and it turns out it has quite a few repercussions that they possibly didn't think through at the time so now they've moved to something they hope I assume will be less controversial and that is um, to get asexuality protected as a protected characteristic under the Equality Act <laughs> and they've accompanied this with a big campaign featuring um someone I'd never heard of called Yasmin Benoit is that who you pronounce it mm -hmm, and so. um she is saying that uh I, I was reading it today I was giggling away um that there's lots all sorts of discrimination out there for asexuals including the fact that like you know something like I don't know let's make up a percentage because I can't remember but like 40 percent of asexuals have yet to disclose to their <laughs> health providers that they are asexual because they're too worried about the uh effect you know the response they'll get from these bigoted health providers and you know let's face it the, the response they're going to get is total bemusement and, <laughs> and like oh right okay because asexuality as far as I can see is of absolutely no relevance to any health issue that is it I mean None. None. In fact, probably, <laughs> quite, quite frankly, uh, for, for heterosexual, if you can ascribe heterosexuality to an asexual woman. Um, well, he look, health providers <laughs> would actually be quite pleased that they um, are very low risk. Yes. I mean, like, it makes you yeah. less likely to get STDs. Um, for Survival a start, that's most obvious one. Less likely to get pregnant if you don't want to get pregnant. I mean, of course, you've got to remember that the way that Stonewall define asexuality, it turns out is totally compatible with uh, having sex. Yes. And feeling sexual desire. I mean, because they, they think asexuality is a spectrum. Surprise, surprise. Um, how dare you is. assume? Well, how dare you assume asexuals don't have sex? Which <laughs> one, of the, one, of the, one of the stereotypes, the myths that they want to bust about asexuality is that asexuals don't have sex i was on a train oh, recently yeah. listening to a live um conversation on instagram between whoever the hell is the asexual officer <laughs> <laughs> who who herself is asexual of course and well, i hope and, so and and you woman that did the the report and it was 
beyond parody. It kept me highly amused during my very long train journey. And the idea that asexuals face dehumanizing discrimination, which was uh, one They're going to think this whole segment is, I mean, honestly, let's face it, this whole segment is the best chance they have of establishing that there's something dehumanizing in the culture about asexuals. It really is, because I remember Nancy Kelly, but two or three years ago on one of the Pride events, was interviewed by one of the kind of LGBTQQIA plus uh, media on the fringes of the Pride event. And he said, what is the next battle for Stonewall? And she said, well, there are many, many groups within our community that are very poorly served and that including the ace and arrow communities. And I'm thinking the what and the what? And it turned out she meant the asexuals and the aromantics. aromantics. Now, now, look, Kathleen, do not assume that aromantics are asexual. Do not. No, also... I don't. Tell me about the oppression that they face. Well, aromantics are people who who can feel sexual but not romantic, at least some of the time. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, really, let's face it: the way that they've characterize these categories they're so expansive but we are all in fact asexual and aromantic because there are times where we're not thinking about romance or sex or feeling particularly inclined to either of them so you know I don't know what distinctive forms of oppression they're supposed to feel if you can't even identify them as a separate group but strangely also I mean everything about this as you'd expect is incoherent but also um, they're also presenting asexuality as an orientation, a sexual yes. orientation that is somehow a rival in terms of data collection to, for instance, being a lesbian or being a gay man. So the census, um, you may think this is all nonsense, but then you realise that it's had an effect on data collection. The census, the Office for National Statistics, um, have asked people, you know, are you lesbian gay bisexual or other and the other includes asexuality um for instance and pansexuality and as they and, and last week there was a big fuss because it turns out they've coded the pansexuals all wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever that I means understand. but pansexuals are basically bisexuals aren't they i mean basically yes. they mean um they will sleep with either men or women of various hair lengths and yeah, hair presentations and asexual is totally compatible with lesbianism in fact <laughs> I would say the two quite often coincide <laughs> so maybe not so much for gay men but then that's one of the differences <laughs> between lesbians and gay men um only joking obviously okay. um but yeah so asexuality is not an arrival orientation it's um it's the fact about whether you feel like it or not, but you are still oriented towards a particular kind of person or kinds of person um, in terms of biological sex. So that's crazy. Um, but your original question was, what oppression do they face? What do mm. they face? Well, they have to look at adverts with couples, I suppose, don't they? And feel aggressed mm. that they are not represented. I mean, how would you represent an asexual in an advert well, or in a uh, actually, I'll tell you how. Because they have their own colours of the flag. I think it's white, purple and, and um, green. And there's a ring. That's a suffragette colours, is it not? Well, know. maybe it's black. It's black and purple and white. I can't remember. Okay. There's a ring. There's a ring. An asexual ring. There's an asexual ring. <laughs> with, 
Retsi has it, you can order it, you can wear it to let people know that they're not to hit upon you in a nightclub, I suppose. But the other thing is, you asked about, I mean, you're, you're clearly struggling here, Kathleen, to look at the vile oppression that they face. I'm sorry. And you I'm forgot sorry. to mention the water cooler. You forgot to mention that I think it's up to 50% of asexuals don't feel able to come out at work. Right. I can see why. <laughs> I mean, how would you come out as an asexual? Because obviously coming out as a lesbian at work would be if if people were constantly on at you, if you're a woman uh, and they're constantly asking you about your husband or you I... mention Joe, your partner, and they constantly say, what's he doing this weekend? Then that might inspire one to say, Joe is a she, blah, blah, blah. How would an asexual come out at work? Um... I suppose you just, well, if you want to be indirect, you can just make some heavy handed comments about how um, how deeply unattractive you find everybody. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I mean, I think what's going on here is that if this is a genuine phenomenon and not just something cooked up by Stonewall to basically make some more money and try it and is. distract from the shit show elsewhere. But if there are genuinely people out there who feel that their asexuality is... Um, they are being discriminated against for their sexuality, but on the basis that they feel nervous about coming out at work, they are confusing um, the sort of perplexity and social awkwardness of the average British person when confronted with somebody saying, I'm an asexual. I mean, nobody knows what to say next because it's completely irrelevant information to most of us. We couldn't care less. We well, didn't want actually... to know. I mean, but, I'll go you know, further. I'll go further than that. I think it's actually um, quite an infringement of boundaries. I don't want people to tell me in my place of work whether they're having sex or not. I actually don't want that information but, from I mean, them. I'd rather know that they're not having it than they are. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly. But I don't want people to tell me about whether or not they're actively rogering. Yeah, you I really just don't, don't want the word sex at work, no, basically. No, you I don't. mean, I agree that, and, it's, and, not, and also at universities, you can just imagine like all these poor lecturers having to deal with uh, disclosures of lack of sexual activity from students. I mean, really, what the hell are we all supposed to say? We don't care. It makes no difference. Good on you. I mean, one thing I do think is that it's, it's probably functioning as some kind of um, useful sheltering um, mechanism for girls uh, young girls like it's so yes. much easier to say no I'm sorry I'm not offending you by not wanting you to sit down at my table and and try it on with me mm. I'm a I'm asexual it's path it's basically pathologizing yourself in order to mm -hmm. avoid um, being able to say no to men and I had a weird experience not that long ago where I was talking to somebody um near where I live and and I was talking about their daughter who was 20 or something and I said oh uh, I don't know why but we were talking about children and I said something like oh is she thinking of having children and the mum said like totally straight-faced oh no she's asexual really um like it was a thing you know <laughs> like like it was a commitment for the rest of her life never to have sex as opposed to just a phase where she didn't feel like it so or who disturbing. knows what the future is but yeah it is that's what's strange about it is it's not just a kind of like oh yeah I'm not I'm not interested right now I'm having a bit of a a year off or a two it's years an off identity. or whatever it's an identity and they think it's like part of themselves non-negotiable and kind of like 
inside you in the way that all these other identities are supposed to be inside you like determining who you are forever and that's strange and it's it's, bad consequences particularly from that one but it's well except for it reflects the kind of anti-science era that we're living in this this notion that you know we're wired in particular ways and that wiring you Mm. know can can cannot ever be unwired and if, if you really were to hold that as an identity you'd be in serious trouble a year later when you decided that you really fancy the woman at work or that you do fancy a shag with the bloke that, you know, lives next door to you. But are and- you in trouble? Because all you, if you're a sort of attention-seeking type, then you get to do it again. You get to have another announcement and say, I'd like everybody to know that... Um, oh, yeah, true. You know, something big and important has happened to me. I mean, it just, for some people, it's an endless opportunity to self-advertise and make the conversation about them well it's true because I remember on one of the I think it was 2015 maybe and by coincidence it was about two weeks before the judges met to decide on what was then the pink list um the Sunday times sorry the independent on Sunday every year used to have this list of top scoring top ranking um LGBT people, it used to just be lesbians and gays. And so Claire Balding mm. would be on and Elton John, that kind of thing. And then of course it expanded out to the what Simon, our friend Simon calls the unbreakable Wi-Fi code of the LGBT plus plus plus. And just by coincidence on National Coming Out Day, Laurie Penny came out as a something like a genderqueer pansexual something or other. Nobody knew what it meant, but guess what? She was included in the she list. Bumped up the list. Yeah. She was on that devastating list. Devastating career move. So you're saying that, that some of the, you know, if you if you haven't had sex for a while, you can call yourself an asexual yes, and, and you're get a on queer. a power list. You're a queer. Yeah. In, in fact, this this piece of research that Stonewall did, and I use the term research very lightly, <laughs> they, they, they do identify asexuals and aromantics as queer. Everyone is queer. And in fact, the aromantics are now saying they feel left out because the asexuals have got a whole report. They want their own report. And of course, it's because of Stonewall <laughs> having to pull back from the, you know, the the gender absolute madness and, and be mad in some other ways, you know, new ways to be mad. And the aromantics are feeling left out. But do not assume aromantics don't fall in love. No. Oh, right. Yeah. OK. Makes sense. And we want to protect this under the Equality Act. I mean, yeah. one of the one of the other aspects to it, which I mean, this is possibly the most potentially serious aspect in a way. If these crazies get their way, I don't think they will. But they are trying to say that asexuals are also subject to conversion therapy, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and by <laughs> that, <laughs> by that they mean, um, I mean, God, God forbid that you should chat an asexual up in the pub. You might be accused of practicing conversion therapy on them potentially oh, this is I, I mean i can't see what conversion therapy is except an attempt to change them from not from being asexuals to being sexual this is so, perfect i mean as if men needed a another excuse not to to be terrified of chatting people up uh women well <laughs> actually there are there are two there's a serious point here to be made which you know listeners might think have gone too far but just think about it <laughs> we actually call that rape we call, call rape. We call coercing someone into having sex who doesn't want sex. Right. Oh, yeah, but you've got but coercion has to mean something then, and it's not just all right, darling, fancy a drink. Exactly. Obviously. This is the point I'm making. That 
it would be ludicrous to call something conversion therapy when if we take it at its face value just pretend mm. we're taking this seriously mm. that you can convert asexuals yeah Look, let, let's let's I move away know. from that point the thing is next time we talk will you allow me to tell the story of when i went undercover to get gay <laughs> conversion therapy in colorado yes of course of course excellent I will. thank you very much and in the meantime i think we should try and convert a few asexuals <laughs> i'm all for it i mean maybe this actual this episode will convert any actually asexuals <laughs> if you're listening to this will you will you please write in and let us know what you think and whether or not you've actually started bonking by the time that we're back for the mm. next episode so having annoyed quite a lot of asexuals which to be honest I don't really mind because I don't feel like they're a particularly scary group no um uh what else have we got to talk about well, oh we've, we've got... got to talk about our tribute act have been yeah. have been busy um so this is this was in pink news this year this week I hate to send people to pink news uh because they've moved away from their usual business model which is publishing articles about me and Julie and they are now they published an article about the Dyke Project, which they describe as a group of trans, cis and non-binary lesbians and queers of all persuasions. In other words, men and women. Yeah, all persuasions. Um, they have been putting up posters on, on Transport for London's network, as in the underground, and posters, uh, sorry, um, bus shelters and things like that, um, calling for an end to the Israel-Hamas conflict um, so I'm looking at one, they've they've got a kind of fake text message on a poster and it says, please know, despite what the media says, there are gay Palestinians. We are here, we are queer, free Palestine. So Queers um, for Palestine has been doing the rounds, hasn't it? And the Dyke Project, I think we should give them um, a full um, reference as mm. to how they started life, shouldn't we? It was because well, they started life because they are a tribute act to the Lesbian Project. Um, the Lesbian Project had an event uh, this year um, in London, and it was a day long research. Um, it wasn't a conference, but basically, we we had lots of interesting researchers talking about lesbian life. We sold out the venue. We had a lovely time, except that outside. Um, there were at least a hundred protesters all day setting off smoke bombs, putting up temporary pop-up gazebos because they're very organised, uh, and closing off the road for anyone else, including all the businesses on that road. Um, and they called themselves the Dyke Project in honour of us, which we were very <laughs> flattered about. And thank you so much. And thank God you didn't call yourself a variant of the Lesbian Project because um, that would be highly embarrassing if anyone got us confused. Um, so yeah, but they've obviously now decided to have a not you know not just content with um, protesting us. They've decided to move into um, international politics. <laughs> so I'm looking at another one on the tube that they've stuck up. There's a little fake te text message coming out of Gaza again. They've they've coloured Gaza pink, um, and it says, "Here was our first date. We sat talking about our childhood, queer culture, food, and bagpipes." Uh, somewhere on the right. beach in Gaza. Right. Um, and then it says, queer community stands with our Palestinian siblings. We all deserve freedom, safety, and belonging. 
none of us are free until all of us are free and so on so what do we think about well, this we, excuse me we think that lesbola is um alive and well isn't it it's absolute madness i have spoken with women from the middle east who are lesbians and who are terrified of what would happen if it was discovered they were lesbians mm. and of course you know this is a big reason for many lesbians and gay men migrating to the west it's deeply offensive this cultural appropriation is deeply offensive talking about how all of a sudden um, anyone that says anything other than Hamas was justified in its slaughter on the 7th of October is not just racist, of course, colonialist, but somehow anti-queer. And this is the thing. What is it about groups of people that have pronouns in their sign-off or in their social media profile that means that they always completely agree with each other on every single issue from prostitution or sex work, as they call it, to surrogacy, massively in favour, to queer politics, to Palestine. They always hold that line. There's oh, never any dissent between them. They didn't. I mean, I don't think it's true of all people with pronouns in their bio, actually, because I think quite a lot of people have unwittingly got pronouns in their bio. True, because true. They don't even know why. They've just seen other people do it. The ones who mean it. The ones, the ones who really that, mean well, it. Are sort of um, moved to organise and to, for instance, protest us. I mean, the reason they think the same is because there's po I take it the views are not the point. Like the the position is not the point. They don't, they're taking instructions from the kind of person they want to be. And it's a pose and they want to be on social media posing at the pro-Palestinian demo and posing at the lesbian project protest. And, you know, it's just off the shelf. Um, it is activism isn't it like and also they're also I assume totally terrified of each other and of stepping out of line because they know what happens to people in those so-called communities when somebody goes rogue and has a thought of their own um so they don't want to be shamed and called out and they don't want to be um accused of being politically suspect or in any other way suspect so they toe the line um turn up and strike all the attitudes and that's that means they sound exactly the same they all sound identical like it's whether they're canadian australian mm. um even like european because they often use um english as their first language and they just take all the phrases from yes. wherever they started and they sound the same it's weird it's funny isn't it you would honestly think that misogyny underpins all of these issues that they are um clapping for i mean look at mm. surrogacy prostitution the full face fail which they say is a fuck you to the west all of these key issues that affect women that and and including the war in the middle east that disproportionately affect women and their children mm. they're all in favor of they talk about agency they they constantly bang on about d colonization without knowing what it actually means mm -hmm. because they come after those of us that are actually trying to do some feminism or some actual political work whether or not you know we're on the hard left the hard right or anywhere in between that mm -hmm. they can't 
Apparently. You're not suggesting those on the hard right are doing feminist activism, are you? No, not, not in the slightest. <laughs> I mean, political work, yeah, of, yeah. of whichever stripe. They don't do any political work. They do posturing and they do yeah, identity. Totally. Without but the these politics. Are a, lot, a lot of them are kids. I mean, I don't actually blame them so much for being kids and, you know, being totally superficial and doing it all for the Insta likes or TikTok likes or whatever. Um, I do blame the... 50 year old academics that are winding yeah. them up and yes. going along with it but I did I read a an interesting article yesterday um that was it was broadly speaking pro-Israeli but it was asking like why what's going on with the left and and this issue like why is the left so obsessed with this issue there's plenty of other world conflicts they could be um equally immersed in you know there's plenty of uh mm -hmm oppressed slash oppressor dynamics or superficially what looks like that that they could get into but they don't they just get obsessed with israel yes even to the point where um he was saying this this author was saying um you know they will criticize um pride marches in tel aviv for mm -hmm. being colonialism yeah. um and rainbow washing they will use that vocabulary yes. which yes. is so bizarre because it's like the con as soon as there's a context shift, they can see because I agree in a way <laughs> that, that sort of pride has become very authoritarian and it's often Anglo-American and it's kind of branding and it's is a kind of colonial imposition on other cultures sometimes um, to in insist that they have exactly the same morality as um, the people in the West, but these people are on the pride matches oh yeah <laughs> the time i mean it's very very confused um and it this is. whole stuff about um there are queer people in palestine i mean what does it even mean i mean yes there are lesbians and gays and there's cross dressers probably but they're mm -hmm. operating under extreme restriction nobody they thinks that they're not that. there but yeah they're not they're not like if we really wanted to help them we wouldn't you know, there are other ways to help queer people or so-called queer people in the Middle East than um, than supporting Hamas, for fuck's sake. Yeah, but they, they romanticise oppression. Yeah. Yeah, but they don't know. I mean, half of them never encountered it in their lives, so it's all a bit of an abstract concept. But yeah. yeah, there's a there's a really interesting scene in Transparent, the... Um, Amazon. Yet another thing series. I haven't watched. <laughs> well, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it's really interesting, transparent for all kinds of reasons. But there's a scene further um, towards the end of the series where the daughter of the trans woman, who started off as a male academic and who actually ends up as you know just as hideous as he was when he identifies as a trans woman than when he was a man. But anyway. His daughter um, decides that she wants to get further into her Jewish roots. She takes a trip to Israel and then she crosses the border into Ramallah. And there she totally objectifies and romanticizes the life of Palestinians. I mean, it is so, it, it, I cringed all the way through it, which I think was the point of it. Mm. And as I was watching some of this stuff play out with the kind of pro Hamas freedom fighter, narrative um on the london marches it really took me back to that scene in right. transparent and it, that, that's what it is to me 
it's a complete actually if we're talking about colonization we could actually accuse some of those kind of pro-palestinian freedom fighter types as mm. being colonizers of an identity i wouldn't use that word because i hate it but mm. it's ridiculous but never mind all of that right <laughs> we have an important question to ask don't we about lesbianism oh god do we what, what's Ooh. that then is it a political project well <laughs> i don't think it is i think it's the same sex uh, you know if you're a female and you experience same-sex attraction exclusively you're a lesbian um but i believe that others may differ on this they may think that it's a way of sticking it to the patriarchy and and arguably you could say that that sort of view of lesbianism as a political project has filtered down you know with many many um twists to the way that this the dyke project are acting now as if like um being queer is a political project rather than just a description of who you fancy so what yeah, do you think it's very difficult to refute the fact that this actually does pose a problem for patriarchy because we are the only sexual orientation that excludes men um from our dating pool and from you know our sexual activity and mm -hmm. and therefore i know that it does really really upset a lot of men which is why we've got the lesbian porn genre because they want to somehow sexually control um what we're doing it has to be for them it has to be for their benefit or they just can't bear it so i think we're a challenge to the patriarchy whether we want to be or whether we are actively trying to be or not that's all i would say yeah but that doesn't mean i mean i'm not sure i agree with all of that as usual but we can get into that later but um i even if that's true, I think I do agree with you that it doesn't mean that being a lesbian is itself a political stance, because um, mm -hmm. there's plenty of, obviously, being a lesbian is compatible with hundreds of different positions, politically um, and ethically, because we're not mm -hmm. all the same. And we got into terrible trouble when we started presenting ourselves as if we were all of the same mind about yes. um, certain political issues. It's just not true. It's not fair. And it's also allowed for a lot of groupthink. To proliferate so um yeah there are political consequences of being a lesbian mm. and they differ from place to place as well like we've seen like in palestine the political consequences are different than right. in the uk right. um and it does piss some men off um and we can get into reasons why at some other point but it's not so you don't think because you are actually i would say misrepresented quite often aren't you as being a political lesbian. And that's actually, to be fair, because you've said you are a political <laughs> lesbian on many occasions. No, but, but the, the misrepresentation comes from what I mean by that. Yes, I think, you see, I think, listeners, that, and I've been telling Julie for a while, that she's not a political lesbian. She gets so much grief from um, other lesbians for being a political lesbian, because she says she is, but she doesn't mean... <laughs> what you think she means so here's an opportunity to clarify what julie really thinks and i'll be here on hand to like tell you whether i agree uh, well, with your framing yeah. i mean we well, should, so what we is should... it you don't you don't think that being attracted to women is a choice do you okay no this you is don't, where it gets... don't... <laughs> this is where <laughs> it gets yes. really tricky look i don't think that there's a gay gene i don't think that there's a hardwiring 
in the way that there is. Yeah, but that doesn't um, mean it's a choice, you know. You can say that. It's not a choice. You can park it's that. It's not, not a choice, a choice exactly. but we, it's not a choice in the way that choice is understood usually. But it, but it doesn't mean that women can't make a choice to reject, to 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 overcome the barriers that prevents them from being open about their sexual attraction to women. So yeah, obviously, so they have to be sexually attracted first. Yes. yes. So when you say women can choose you don't mean they can choose to feel sexual no, attraction no you mean that if they feel sexual attraction to women exclusively they may be held back from expressing that because of stigma because of yes you know fear community restrictions so we should be working to help them realize their sexuality but you're yes. not saying that the that they could just wake up one morning a heterosexual woman could just wake up one morning and go you know what i'm going to stick it to the patriarchy by um being a lesbian that's right i don't mean that at all good i i couldn't possibly choose to be sexually attracted to men no and where it where the misunderstanding comes in partly it's the language that i used in the the kind of articles where i wanged on about it um but also partly it's because of this deep-rooted, deep-seated belief that many lesbians have that we were born this way. Well, I wasn't born fancying the midwife. I don't think we should ascribe a sexuality to babies. I think that there's huge complexity around how we develop our sexual attraction and orientation. Yes, totally agree. So totally so agree. that that's all I mean. And what I mean is that I will not have it that women that come out later in life, whether they're 40, 50, 60 or older, um, who've been in happy fulfilling relationships with men or who've ever enjoyed sex with men when people insist that makes them bisexual because you can't possibly just swap sides later on in life I won't have that you know how dare um these people determined to prove that we have some kind of hardwired genetic response sexual response decide that somebody's bisexual just because they once enjoyed sex with a man. We change all the time in terms of our responses. We suddenly make life decisions, which is I'm gonna just stop putting up with mediocre sex with men or even vaguely enjoyable sex with men because I much, 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 much prefer women and have no desire to mm. ever sleep with a man again. To me, she's a lesbian. I mean, that I, I think is complicated too. I don't think, um just the fact you've enjoyed sex with someone of the opposite sex is a problem either. But I also think it depends like what you, you know, like lots of people can enjoy sex with people that they don't, re they're not really into mm -hmm. because they can just basically think of somebody else <laughs> or whatever. I mean, there's well, lots of ways uh, the human mind can for, can sort of compensate, but you basically know who you're attracted to or yes. not. Now you might not, um, or at least you know it at some level. At other levels, you can pretend you're not to yourself because you mm. know what all hell would break loose if you admitted it. Right. Um, but I do also... So a friend of mine who's a dyke once said to me, she thought that it was a spectrum, and this is really a spectrum, sexual attraction is a spectrum, <laughs> and she would place the lesbians, you know, some of the lesbians she knew, including herself, totally at the end of, like, has never slept with a man, would never sleep with a man, absolutely no chance. And then some are like mostly women but you know there might be the one-off potential encounter who knows and then there's 
bisexual the closer you get to the middle the more you get to like a bisexual that um would but it's all counterfactual because quite often you don't you you know you could be a bisexual as we know that never sleeps with a man or never sleeps mm-hmm. with a woman mm-hmm. um and I also it's got to be counterfactual because otherwise this problem with asexuality comes up again like just because you're not sexually attracted right now to any woman doesn't mean you've stopped being a lesbian <laughs> it, right. it just mean so it's uh, being a lesbian is about who you would be attracted to if you met the yeah. right woman or you didn't feel um like you weren't really into that at the moment or whatever mm-hmm. you know if you had various um other things so I, I actually wrote an entire philosophy paper once on sexual orientation um which uh, I can link to oh, uh, for anyone do. that's interested <laughs> there's women obviously who came out very early in life like you did this is why I don't get how I've no idea why it applies to you they came out very early in life and suffered for it in their family context or in their friend groups or just walking around the street getting mm-hmm. dogs abuse and and violence as you did yeah, so yeah um then they see someone like me some johnny come lately um who was married to a man um and came out relatively late um and was pretty obtuse about various things and i have not suffered for it and never pretended that i have but hang on a minute. So you're the real lesbian and I'm the fake lesbian. This is out of order. Nobody, no, no, Julie, nobody thinks I'm a real lesbian. Ah, okay. <laughs> don't worry about that. No, no. Um, no. The, but the, I, I also look at gay men and I don't know if the same conversation's gone there, but it doesn't seem to me that they do. No, I mean, I've met um, various gay men who came out late in life. They're, you know, they're now draped in scarves and fully living their uh best gay life but they've got mm. children that they had with a woman and um it doesn't seem to me that they're facing quite the same flack from men but that might just be because women like to give each other our time let's face it we do I think you're right you know but this is a conversation that we are going to continue and we might yes. even have a guest on to talk about this with us actually maybe we should find someone that thinks we're not real lesbians I can do that. And it won't be that hard. (laughs) Whether they'll come on the show or not is another matter. Okay. Okay. Well, I think we've talked for a long time now, so maybe we should uh, wind up and say that we hope you enjoyed our very first venture into podcasting. Yeah. And And if you did, please subscribe and tell your friends and there'll be more to come. We'd love you to subscribe. Subscribe.